Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is February the 4th, 2013, and this is episode uh, 1063 of the Survival Podcast. And it's a Monday, so we usually do a listener feedback show. I have pushed the listener feedback show till tomorrow because, well, I have Rob Gray from the American Open Currency Standard and Mulligan Mint back on today, and there's a reason. I had Rob and Chris on last week to discuss the launch of TSP Mint and Silver in general, and uh, Rob threw out this comment about a new type of IRA. It's not really new, but uh, new information on an existing type of IRA where you can hold silver in your IRA and literally have the safe that's holding the silver in a closet in your house or you know maybe have the silver in a safe deposit box that you have the key to or use a private storage facility or basically hold it in any secure facility you want and be able to go in and physically touch your metal. Now, I had never heard of anything like this before. I've heard of physical metal IRAs. I think that most of them are stupid because uh, you're taking money that you, you could make anonymous and you're making it in front of people. But there's a lot of money sitting in IRAs. Trillions of dollars. Rob gives out the number today. I don't remember what it is, but it's a lot of freaking money. And a lot of them are from like 401ks that you rolled over when you left a job or whatever. It's just sitting there. You'd like to hold metal with it, but you don't want your, your, your metal in Maryland, right? You'd like to actually know the metal's there. And people don't, for one reason or other, want to take interest in penalties and they want to keep the money in there, but they want physical metal that they can verify. We're going to tell you how to do that today. And I got to tell you, when you hear the full presentation from Rob on this, you're going to realize something, especially when I ask him about what type of silver to put in your IRA. Uh, you're going to realize he's being completely selfless here. Absolutely, there's there's no gain for Rob here uh, that I can see at all. He just wants you guys to understand that this is an option uh, because he believes that if he earns your trust that way, that you'll continue to do business with him. So uh, he's a busy guy. To ask him to take another hour out of a day this close, this quick is a big deal, but he did it. And he's got some updates for us on how much uh, we did as far as business with the new TSP and Shield coins as well at tspmint.com. Before that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsors, they do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one, Jeff, the Berkey guy, Gleason. Hey, look, we're going to talk about silver today. But silver, while an important way to protect your assets, you can't eat it, at least not in large quantities. If you eat like a couple ounces of it a day, you'll end up dead. Right, so you, you can't eat it. You also can't drink it. It's a metal. It doesn't work that way. And we got to have something to drink every day, or you know, within about forty-eight hours, you end up dead. And if you're dead, you've broken the first rule of survival: don't die. Right? That's the first first rule of survival: don't die, or you failed. Right? So we need water. Now, one of the best ways we can make sure our water tastes great, smells great, is safe to drink, is healthy, and not pull all of the minerals out of it is with a Berkey. And I think that speaks for itself. It's one of the best-known water filtration devices out there. They look beautiful in your home, and everybody knows that Berkey is a great product for a great price, and that while there's a little bit of a startup cost, once you have one, the cost of producing water by the gallon is as low as any other system out there. In fact, it's lower. It's the most cost-effective system I know to make sure I'm drinking great water every day. So why, after all that, you don't just go out to the gun show and buy your Berkey from the non-Berkey guy? Why the Berkey guy? He's the Berkey guy. He's the guy that's been taking care of this audience for over four years and always takes care of this audience. The guy's so dedicated to his business, I've never even put him on a discussion panel again because when he's supposed to be on a discussion panel, he's handling customer service. That's how dedicated he is. That's why you need to go to the Berkey guy at Directive21.com, Directive21.com. 
Berkey21.com and buy your Berkey and other really cool products for your prepping needs from Directive21.com because Jeff's going to take care of you every time. He's one of the biggest dealers for Berkeys in the world, so you know you're going to get great pricing to go along with it. Next up today, the Free State Project. Hey, we talk about voting with our dollars, and we talk about voting in the ballot box. But do you know the one place you can really vote in a republic? With your feet. You can say, you know what, I've had enough of my state's stupidity, New York, or my state's stupidity, New Jersey, and you can leave. And one great place you could go is a place like New Hampshire and be part of the Free State Project, where people are pledging to go there and make New Hampshire the freest state in the union. Check them out today at freestateproject.org. And if it's not in the cards to move to New Hampshire, still consider supporting them one way or another. A fight for liberty one place is a fight for liberty everywhere. I'm a Texan. I'm back in the Republic of Texas. I'm going to stay here. Uh, but I will be at Liberty Forum 2012 in a few weeks. I hope to see you there uh, for my speech called The Prepared Libertarian. Uh, this one sponsorship slot on, on the Survival Podcast is not charged for. I give this to them for free. Uh, by speaking at their events, promoting them, and, and putting them on the air, that's how I support the Free State Project. I should tell you they're important to me. I believe in liberty. I believe it's precious. I believe we should fight to keep it. Freestateproject.org can help you figure out how to do just that, either at their site or wherever you call home. Next up, I want to remind you guys about TSP Mint. Hey, we sold over 6,200 ounces of silver in a weekend and a day. Uh, that's pretty awesome. We didn't hit the 15,000 gold, but Rob is really, really impressed with this community. I think he just, uh, he just threw me out of gold that Chris Dwayne hit, you know, and, and Chris has had a lot longer building up in the silver market. But, hey, it's great. And uh, people, you, you guys have really been great about supporting it. I just want to remind you the Mint is open. The discount for the Members Brigade still applies. The only thing is you don't get the free copper coin. Check out 13skills.com. We've just crossed 5,000 members at 13skills within the past couple of weeks. We're working hard to make that site better. Uh, 13skills.com is a great way to you know improve your skill set and hold yourself accountable. And, and check out the new member search feature over there because you can start hooking up with people working on the same skill sets that you are. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. You help support the show at 18.3 cents an episode. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, and uh, uh, prior service. Send me an email. Put service discount in the subject line. Tell me who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did if you're prior service, and I'll send you a special discount code. Thank you for your service before you join, not after you join. If you've already joined, we have to do it at renewal time. Get in touch with me at least a couple weeks before your renewal so we make sure we do it right and I get you the discount that you are entitled to. And remember, first responders like paramedics, I include you in that service discount. With that all wrapped up, uh, it's my good uh, fortune to welcome back a true personal friend, uh, Mr. Rob Gray. And hey, Rob, it seems like you were just here uh, a few days ago. Welcome back to the Survival Podcast. I feel like I was too last week when we launched the uh, the brand new exciting TSPMint.com uh, metal store as well as the uh, the Ant Shield medallion as it's been nicknamed uh, around the office. So we actually did pretty good with that. I mean, it was over 6,000 uh, ounces I saw that we sold as of this morning. I didn't hit your goal. Oh, you listen, know, but, uh, we, we did but, we did incredible. Let me let me see if I can pull up a couple quick stats here while we're going. The bottom line is, you know, back in the old days of AOCS, uh, if we sold 6,000 ounces in a month, it was a good month for us. Uh, you did it in a weekend, <clears throat> and so I think that that was really great. Um, we really had no idea where we were going to start. I think we got off to a great start. I think we processed more than 600 orders uh, from TSP Mint customers, which was really incredible. Let me see if I can get an exact total for you here. Um, 
640 orders came in over the uh, the ribbon cutting launch period. So I am duly impressed with uh, what we, with what we've accomplished so far, and looking forward to building on top of that as we come up with uh, new medallions and new products to add to the store. And I'm going to throw a real quick shout out here to somebody, Bill. You know who you are. Thank you. I'm going to leave it at that. Rob knows what I'm talking about there. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Appreciate that a lot. So, um, hey, uh, we were uh, we were chatting last week, you, I, and Chris on the air with the launch of TSP Mint, and then you went off and made this like one off the cuff comment about self directed IRAs yeah. and holding silver in an IRA, and you could have a safe in your in your closet. And I'm like, that's great. It sounds interesting. I'll bring back Rob in a couple weeks, and we'll talk about that. And then like every fifth fifth email, like for the last. 72, 84 hours, something like that has been, I want to know how to do this. I want to know how to do this. So I, I called you and said, hey, man, will you get back on the air and, and chat about this? And you were good enough to do so. Well, so that's what we're here to talk about today. I, I was a little resistant, I think, at first because, you know, I don't like the IRS a whole lot. I don't really like digging into their code, their rules, their regulations, publications. It's just not my thing. It makes my skin crawl. It makes my blood boil. I mean, the fact that you have to go – and figure out how to get control of your own money. I mean, your own property. You've got to you got to figure out the system to take advantage of what's already yours. It just boggles my mind. I don't think it's fair. Um, and uh, and it kind of you know disgusted me when I went through the whole process with my dad a couple months ago. But <clears throat> the bottom line is that yeah, there there are some cool things that you can do out there. Um, I've had a little bit of experience with them. I am in no way, shape, or form any anywhere close to an expert. On the matter, um, but uh, but I figured out how to do something cool, and I think it's worth sharing uh, because a lot of people are stuck in, in what they consider to be a trap. And uh, if I can help them, give them you know some, some advice to get out of it, then uh, I'm more than happy to do so. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, and I'm going to say that kind of for you again. That you know, Rob's not on here as a tax expert today or a legal expert. He's on here as a guy that came into the same problem many of us did. That he and, and people he cared about had fairly large sums of money put into these things called individual retirement accounts from uh, days gone by, and now you got that money there, and you're thinking, I don't want to hold paper, I want to hold silver, but I don't want somebody holding my silver in Maryland, five thousand miles away from me. Uh, I'd like to know it, touch it, see it. Doesn't seem like it's possible, and figured out a way to do that. And he's used a professional attorney to set his stuff up, and you're going to come away from today with a better understanding of this, but the final recommendation is going to be don't do it yourself. Uh, get somebody that knows what the hell they're doing when you're dealing with people like Ira R. Sancia, who is the biggest gangster on planet Earth. That's my name for the IRS. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of try to give you an overview of that. But I wanted to start out with... Is the the term you kept using, Rob, was self directed yeah. IRA. Yeah. Now, how is that different from all this other IRA Roth traditional that stuff? Well, the the first thing I figured out. Let, let me give you a little backstory here on, on what happened, right? My, so my uh, my father and I were just having a, a random conversation a couple months back, and uh, you know he mentions that uh, when he switched jobs, he's got to do something now with his four hundred one k and his IRA, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, you still have four hundred one ks and IRAs and all that stuff? What are you are you crazy? I mean, aren't you paying attention to what's going on in the world? Oh, well, yeah. So he mumbles for a little while. So I, I did a little bit of research to figure out uh, what we could do with it. Because, you know, I've heard so many people, as, as I'm sure you have, talk about these gold and silver precious metals IRAs. So I'm like, at bare minimum, you should get into this. <clears throat> and so we started there. Uh, but it became really apparent uh, very early in that whole process that the precious metals IRAs, they're they're – you know, they're not really. There's no really such thing as a precious metals IRA. It's it's a type of 
IRA, and apparently there are five basic types. There's traditional, you've got Roth, SEP, simple, and self-directed. And so the people that are going through and setting these things up are setting up a self-directed IRA, which is different than these other four basic types that are out there. Now, of all five types of IRAs, it's estimated that there's about $4.9 trillion in IRAs of those five IRAs, and only about 2% of that is actually in self-directed IRA programs. And so the first thing I learned was that there are multiple types of IRAs and that all the precious metal stuff falls under this this self-directed category. Okay, and when we we look at this, part of what's been like given me a pain in my ass over the years is I keep having people asking me about a precious metal IRA, and I have been pretty down on the entire concept until I heard about this idea from you. Um, but can you explain there, there really isn't a such thing as a precious metals IRA now, is there? That's, 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 there's not like there's a category of that in IRS code or anything. Yeah, no, there's not. There are five IRS programs, again, traditional, Roth, SEP, simple, self-directed. So nowhere in those five programs is there a category called precious metals IRA. What what somebody, some clever person some number of years ago figured out is that under that self-directed umbrella, you've got a lot of different options and opportunities. And what I guess somebody in the bullion or precious metals market said was, well, what if, uh, what about gold and silver? And so, voila, you've got the the new, uh, you know, coined term there, so to speak. That's a little little pun um, of uh, of the precious metals IRA. So no, there's no such thing as a precious metals IRA. What it actually is is a self-directed IRA that's used to purchase precious metals. That's all there is to it. So if I want to set one of these things up, kind of what's the process? How do I do that? Well, okay. For, I, I guess the first question is like, where are you starting from? So you said a moment ago, you know, this this. Uh, something along the lines of like people trying to figure out what to do with this. So let's assume that people already have an IRA. Um, you know, if if you've got cash and it's in your safe and you don't, nobody knows about it, I, I wouldn't recommend going out and starting an IRA and making contributions to it just so you can play along in this fun game. Uh, I think that I think that the target market here is the person that already has some sort of IRA. Um, now, if you've got an IRA, you can have multiple IRAs. You've got an IRA administrator or a trustee, and so. The process is basically to establish a self-directed IRA with a trustee that understands self-directed IRAs and allows a, a, a selection of investment opportunities. So you've got to find the right trustee, and that's kind of where this whole process begins. Um, Sterling Trust is probably the largest self-directed IRA provider in the country, uh, but they don't allow uh, the whole scope of self-directed options. They only allow you to do this precious metals thing. And so you have to find a trustee that understands that there are multiple investment opportunities in the self, under the, that self-directed umbrella, um, and you've got to establish an account with them, and then you can roll over funds from your existing IRA over to this new IRA that you establish with a trustee um, that, that has a whole wide range of uh, investment uh, options. So it starts there. Uh, basically, you roll the funds over, you cash out or liquidate whatever it is you have anywhere else that you want to you know, move over. You put it now with this new trustee, and, uh, and that's where the whole process begins. Um, there are a couple simple steps to it, and I'll go over them. I mean, the, the bottom line for this information, um, I think, is a little contrary to what you said a few moments ago at the beginning of the program, that you can do it yourself. I mean, this is something that with enough research... Oh, I, I know you can. There's a lot of things you can. I'm pretty much saying I don't recommend... 
doing it yourself. I don't know if you would recommend that either, though. It's not that hard. I mean, yeah, okay. you, you want to make sure – anytime you're dealing with the IRS, you always want to make sure you, you dot the I's, cross the T's. If they want to screw with you, even if you dotted your I's and crossed your T's, they're going to screw with you. Um, so it's always nice to have somebody to offset uh, or offload that, uh, that issue, too. Uh, but uh, certainly, you know, it can be done. You can ha- fi- find a professional um, that can do it as well. But basically, the, the process goes like this. You establish an account with a trustee that allows self-directed programs. You roll over those funds. Uh, and the next step is pretty simple. Um, for, for the purpose of this conversation, I think that, you know, we're, we're focusing very heavily on precious metals. Um, but keeping in mind that there are a lot of different investment opportunities and vehicles that, that qualify for the self-directed, basically the easiest way to do it is you set up an LLC in your home state, uh, and it could be called Spirco Investments LLC, uh, and then all of a sudden you direct your self-directed IRA to per- purchase 100% of the membership interest of Spirco Investments LLC, and so now your IRA is officially the owner of the LLC. Let me explain that. A little bit more elaborately, because a lot of people don't understand the whole concept of companies and shares and things like that. If you set up a corporation or a limited liability company, which is what an LLC actually is, is a type of corporation. I don't care if there's one person that owns it, that company is made up of shares. It could be one giant share. It could be a thousand shares valued at a fraction of a penny. But it's made up of shares, and it has shareholders, even if there's only one. And that one, when you establish it, is you. You are the CEO, the COO, chief bottle washer, and only share, solitary shareholder. Your corporation now buys the corp. Your your IRA buys the corporation. It's, it's a little bit. Saying. It's a little bit different in an LLC. It's the same basic concept, but in an LLC, it's called membership interest. Correct. And so, so your IRA, your IRA is going to is going to purchase one hundred percent of the membership interest of the LLC. So you're not the owner of the LLC. You are the manager of the LLC. And it's a very important distinction to make there because the the IRA owns the LLC. It owns all the investments of, uh, or it owns all those investments that are, that are owned and managed by that LLC. All you are is essentially the fiduciary or the manager of the LLC. So the, the step in the process there is to register an LLC in your home state. doesn't have to be anything exotic. It's just a simple LLC. Uh, and then in your operating agreement, there's a sale of all the membership interest from you to your IRA. Um, and so once that's done, you set up a local bank account at a, uh, at a local credit union or a small community bank or at a major bank, whatever you want. Um, and then you direct the trustee to purchase 100% of the membership interest of that LLC, and in exchange for all the money, the cash that you've got sitting there in your IRA, uh, and that money is wired or sent by check from the IRA trustee down to your local bank, where now you have access to the bank account, check writing privileges, and the check card. Just to help everybody do what we always say when you're investigating a crime, follow the money. What has happened now is the money that was in a IRA with American Express or whoever is now sitting in a checking account at your local bank under your control, but it's now in a new IRA, a self-directed IRA, which you are the fiduciary for. In other words, you are the fund man or the the the, uh, the account manager, and you can write checks, you can buy things, but anything you purchase, buy, exchange money for, change the form of now is inside the IRA. Uh, and inside the corporation owned by the IRA. Yeah, so the steps, real quick, just in a nutshell, number one, you set up a new IRA with a uh, trustee. 
a trust company that understands self-directed programs and allows you, it gives you basically a selection of investments that you want to choose from. So as you're evaluating different trustees out there, just ask them what investments are allowed. They might say, well, we are Sterling Trust and we only allow you to do precious metals self-directed IRAs. And you say, okay, well, that's great, but I was looking for something a little bit different, like buying foreclosed real estate, fixing it up, and selling it. Well, we don't do that. You have to find a different trustee. So step one, again, in a nutshell, find a trustee that allows self-directed programs that you're looking for, uh, establish an account with them, roll over funds from an existing IRA, uh, set up your LLC, set up a bank account, have your new IRA purchase the membership interest of the LLC, and wire the funds directly to the local checking account that you, again, are the manager of. You are the, the fiduciary for. And so that's as complicated as it gets. Now, once that money's there in your local credit union, it's, uh, it's time to get started. So now I can take that money... And as part of something that the corporation will own to do business, LLC. I can go out and buy a safe, mm-hmm. and I buy that safe in the name of Spirico Investment LLC, mm-hmm. and I take that safe and I bolt it down to the concrete or weld it down to the concrete in my basement, mm-hmm. and it sits there, and as I buy silver, I can put it in that safe, as long as everything has the paperwork chain to say, in that safe is now 5,000 ounces of silver in this form, Held and, and it's no different than somebody holding it for me far away, except I can look at it, touch it, feel it. It's essentially no different. And again, there are, there are uh, there's a very short list of things that you're not allowed to do. Uh, it's called prohibited transactions. There's a short list of prohibited parties, uh, like direct family members and stuff. But yeah, follow the rules. Do you know? Follow dot the I's, cross the T's. And you, uh, as manager of the investment fund for your IRA, uh, can choose to secure physical silver or gold bullion, and you can choose the place that you feel is the safest um, for securing that physical gold and silver bullion. And if that ends up being in your basement, in your closet, or buried somewhere on a property, then uh, then that's your call as the fiduciary for the LLC to make. Um, I, I, again, that's... That's how I've understood the code. That's all. The, that's the summation of all the research that I've done. Uh, leads me to believe that that is entirely true. Anyone that wants to get involved and do that should do their own research and come to a similar conclusion, or to consult a uh, professional licensed tax advisor to uh, to come there as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to restate that my recommendation is use a pro when you do this. Um, but that would also mean that I could then use my check writing privileges at that bank and say, actually, I'm comfortable with a safe deposit box. Yep. And I could say to that bank, I'd like to buy a safe deposit box from you with this account and pay the fees, and that's a fee against the account, just like a managerial fee on a mutual fund. Correct. And I can buy that 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 uh, that space in that. Um, that bank and that deposit box, and I can hold my silver there. And I can go down there anytime I want, open it up, audit it, know that it's there, get to it in some kind of an emergency. If all bets are off, dogs and cats are living together, the apocalypse has come. Uh, <laughs> as long as I you know, act before the dogs and cats start procreating, I can probably go get it. Um, and I can always change, if I want to do that now, and I'll decide later I want to change to a safe cord into the, whole, the, the, the floor of my home, I can change that in the future because I'm in control. And I assume I can also do something like, and I have had a hard time finding places like this, but there are secure private storage facilities out there that are very, very secure. They work like a safe deposit box, but they're not a bank. 
So it's not a financial relationship. I could put the silver into that kind of facility as well. That's right. And and the IRS loves the arm's length transactions. I mean, the, the more arm's length you can make a transaction, the the better it's going to be and the easier it's going to be to, you know, kind of be like, oh, no, 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 I, yeah, I followed this rule, this rule, and this rule, and then I stored it here at this physical location, which is not my property. Uh, so certainly the less arm's length the transaction is, you know, the the more they may want to question it. But the, again, that's only in the situation of an audit, which happens so very rarely. Um, so you want to watch out for that. And, and if you can make it an arm's length situation and you trust that situation, then that uh, that's a good way to go as well. Uh, for me, you know, certainly having it under my nose is going to be is going to be my preference. Um, but again, I'll want to make sure that I dot my I's and, and cross my T's if I was to do that. Uh, fortunately, I don't have any money in an IRA, so I don't have to worry about it at all. But my dad did. And so we, we went through and, and we came up with the best uh, best scenario that worked uh, for us. But, I mean, the bottom line question is, who do you who do you trust more, your, your broker or yourself? The, the IRS basically classifies investments under two categories. There's traditional and then there's non-traditional. So those other four IRA types, the traditional, Roth, SEP, and simple, all fall into that traditional because they let you buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds and all that stuff. The non-traditional is you know, perfectly legal, perfectly uh, acceptable method of investing, but the IRS kind of warns you against it, and as will your broker, because obviously brokers and professionals are able to make a lot better financial decisions with your money uh, than you are. <laughs> so if you don't necessarily agree with that, then explore the realm of non-traditional assets and uh, and look into this whole self-directed IRA thing because it's uh, it's an easy and, and quick solution to not have to worry about. Like even if you're in a precious metals IRA, for example, you know you've got this big bank up in Dover, Delaware. Uh, you know, and I've, I don't necessarily know if I believe it, but the, you know, there's been lots of rumors about gold and silver becoming illegal or getting confiscated once again. And the question for me is, well, if they ever decide to do that, are they going to go door to door to track it down, or are they going to go to some of these big, huge bullion where there's a billion tons of silver, gold? Yeah, I mean that's platinum. that's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, they would certainly they would they would most likely go there before they go door to door. It's a little more efficient. But let's look at a more likely scenario. Let's say that there is a financial crash and you want to get your hands on that bullion. You can't walk into that facility and do withdrawal. It's not yours. It's owned by your IRA. So you've got to go through your IRA trustee to gain access to it. So you can't just make a trek up there and walk uh, 32 days through the wilderness to your storage facility and hope that they're going to have it there ready for, for pickup. It's not yours. It's owned by your IRA. Well, and let me kind of give people a concept here. Let's say we do have total full-on economic collapse. You have at your local bank that you can still get into, your storage facility, your house, this stash of silver sitting there in the IRA. Obviously, the first place you would want to go toward using silver for barter is the stuff that ain't in there. Right. But you get to the point where you need what's in there. Okay, now, there's nothing that says you can't take money out of an IRA. Yeah. It just simply says that you have to pay interest and penalties. That's right. So you, you, you take your silver out, you fill out the forms, you pay the interest and penalties, and the dollar that has now become worth crap... Yep. And, and, but at least you can get your hands. You can even. What I'm saying is, even in the worst scenario, there's still a legal avenue to retrieve the physical metal, pay the fee to the man, so to speak, but do it with his the money that's now become worth crap. So even in the worst scenario, you still got a better advantage by having this this 
these assets and any asset that you would hold in there because it doesn't have to be gold and silver. Yeah, the like other thing could be a deed to a house. It, it it could be a lot of different things, but the thing that you don't have to worry about as well is transaction fees. I mean, when the money's going in and out of your your local, uh, you know, Spirco Investments LLC bank account, you know, you can write as many checks on that, make as many investments as you want, uh, you know, get as many disbursements from those investments back to the LLC as you want, and you're, you're not paying a $25 check fee or a commission every time one of those trades or investments happen. So it just gives you local access, local control, and like you said, if you need to take a disbursement, you take it. You don't have to call anyone. You don't have to ask permission, but you have to fill out the appropriate forms and make a note of it and make sure that you follow the rules and you know you pay the interest and penalties on it or whatever it is, and you're ready to go. But it's, it's direct access. It, it el- eliminates a lot of middlemen in that whole process. So... Um you know, I'm I'm sold because I I don't have a lot of money in IRAs because I've never really sold on them, but I've got one from an old Roth 401k. You know, I I had employees in my last company that wanted a 401k, so we set one up. I figured the heck with it, I'll throw three percent in there, or whatever. And there's you know there's about fifteen grand sitting there. It's just in cash. Um, I was actually going to look for the best metals uh, mutual funds I could or uh, uh, ETFs I could find and stick it in there, and it's just something with the move and all I have just left sitting in a, basically a money market account. Yep. I'm sold on this idea. My thought is, why don't I set one up, and then I can go out and buy AOCS certified silver inside my IRA. In fact, I can buy my silver for myself and put it in my IRA. That's not, Actually, my, my LLC will buy it for me, Right. Um, and that sounds like a great plan. But is it okay to hold AOCS Silver in, in your vault or your box or whatever as a fiduciary for yourself in your LLC? Well, it's a, it's a great question. I've gotten that probably more often than any other question. Let me tell you real quick the list of um, prohibited transactions. Um, so on that list, you're not allowed to own artworks, rugs, antiques, metals, gems, stamps, coins, alcoholic beverages, and certain other tangible personal pro- property, with an exception. Your IRA invests in one, one-half, one-quarter, one-tenth-ounce U.S. gold coins or one-ounce silver coins minted by the Treasury Department. It can also invest in certain platinum coins and certain gold, silver, palladium, and platinum bullion. So now you've got a really big question there. Does AOCS qualify as certain gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, and platinum bullion? Um, we've read lots and lots of private uh, memorandums, um, different rulings. Uh, I mean, we've gone through it top to bottom. And when I say we, I don't mean me personally. I mean my, my counsel. Um, and they've said, bottom line is, I don't really know. This one over here says it's got to be U.S. gold or silver eagles. This one over here says, well, any .999 fine bullion is fine. Just because it says AOCS approved on there doesn't mean that it's not .999 fine bullion. Um, so I've, I've read it either way. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you like this. If you want to be really, 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 really du- super-duper safe, buy Silver Eagles. They're, they're a little yeah. bit more expensive, but <clears throat> I think that with Silver Eagles, you're going to have the, um, you know, the, the definitive answer in your question that, uh, that the Silver Eagles qualify for that exception. If you are um, not storing it yourself personally, then the uh, answer that I found is yes, you can have any .999 fine silver bullion, uh, silver or gold, platinum, palladium bullion. Those are those are the best answers that I've found personally. So if you want it in your own safe in your house, and the IRS comes knocking on your door one day and wants to see this safe that's managed by Spearco Investments LLC, you might as well open it up and show them Silver Eagles. Um, if you want to yeah. store it at your local bank, my recommendation would be any .999 fine silver bullion is going to be okay there. Again, that's based on what I've learned 
through my independent research and the recent research of our council and the other people that we've that we've looked into this process with. Um, however, if you if you want to support the AOCS that much and uh, and that is one of your goals. Um, I'll put you a different situation, Jack. We, we've got over here at Mulligan Mint, as we talked about the other day, uh, you know, a, a growing and budding opportunity. Uh, and one of the things we've done over here to help with our inventory is put together an inventory loan program. And so we actually pay 2% per year on silver that we borrow. That essentially, we're just leasing to keep here so that we can fill orders more quickly. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details right now because it's it's not what this program is about. But if if you wanted to do something with your silver and you wanted to have it somewhere that you you trusted it, and instead of yeah. you know, paying a fee to store it in a safe deposit box, uh, let me pay you to store it down here at the Mulligan Min and use it to fill our orders more quickly. So it's another it's again it's another opportunity that is available to people that have self-directed IRAs. Um, there are lots of opportunities out there. That's just one of them. Um, so if you want to physically store it, my recommendation is probably Eagles to be as absolutely safe as you can be. Uh, okay. If you want to uh, reach out and support uh, us over here at Mulligan Mint, we've got a cool inventory lease program. Uh, and again, I'll pay 2% per year. So uh, put 1,000 ounces down here, and at the end of the year, you got got 1,020 ounces of silver coming back to your IRA um, or you personally. So anyway, that, that's my answer to the does AOCS silver qualify question. Um, it's not obviously as perfect as I'd like it to be for AOCS sure. medallions, but uh, but I think the, the key – um, of this conversation is letting people know that uh, the misconceptions out there increase your risk uh, and that even if you can't buy our product or don't want to buy our product or want to buy a different product, um, that getting your hands on it physically and having physical possession and control is definitely a better uh, better way of managing the asset than trusting it to some bank or some uh, some investment advisor uh, out there that's not working for your best interest. Yeah, and the frustrating thing is you can never get a straight answer from the IRS. They'll never tell you, yes, this this does or no, this doesn't. Um, even with simple questions on a tax form, like, okay, you guys changed this. Like last year I dealt with stuff like, okay, you guys changed this crap about the tax code. And now my merchant account provider is providing me with a 1099, and some of the stuff that was paid into that account came from affiliate relationships where I also got a 1099, so I got a duplicate. What do I do? Uh, We don't, we can't tell you. Yeah, yeah. So that's (laughs) the, the, the safe, the safety factor there within an IRA of doing Eagles is it's specifically listed as approved, whereas other bullion, you know, some asshole somewhere gets to decide in the future what that means. Right. And that's, that's why I would definitely say if you're going to do something other than Eagles, put some length of that, that arm's length thing in there yep. where the silver's not in your in your closet. It's in a bank or a private storage facility yep. or something like that. That's exactly right. I, I got a question for you. We'll, again, we'll probably have people screaming to bring you back about this silver the loan program. But I, I have had a hard time finding basically very secure private storage that would work like a safe deposit box. In other words, two keys to open it, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, guarded, whatever. That's not a bank. Does that exist anywhere that you know of? Um, we know of um, some major institutions like Brinks that store metal, but they generally don't make those services available to retail customers. It's it's hard to find something like that that you can. Uh, you can do business with as an individual. They're they're generally doing business with large metals brokerages or refineries or something like that. So, for example, the 
the mint that we use out in Salt Lake, uh, you know, has products stored there from Brinks from a refiner. So I don't know of anything like that personally. I've heard that there is something like that in Las Vegas. I couldn't tell you the name of it off the top of my head. Um, sooner or later, once my security is 100% uh, online here at the Mint, um, I bought a couple safes that are actually old safe deposit box safes that are completely built out with two key systems that you know will probably make that service available to retail customers, but I'm not there yet. Um, yep. So I'll see if I can dig up some names and website addresses for you, Jack. And I love that you're going to do it because what I was going to say is I see this as a tremendous opportunity. Here's where the opportunity got created. I would have said if you said I want to do this in the year 1999, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your capital investment yep. because why do I need that when I can go down to a bank and get a safe deposit box? In 1999, <laughs> if I went to a bank and got a safe deposit box, that was not considered a financial relationship. Right. It was private storage. I was paying for space at the bank using their security. That is all that it was, and that box may be subject to search and seizure based on warrants and things, but was in the same category as you coming to my house or to my place of business, and it had to be very, very specific for the government to get access into that box the way it would for anything else. When the Patriot Act rolled out, one of the things to protect us buried in it was a redefining of a safe deposit box as a financial relationship with a financial institution. And thereby, that box becomes subject to the same scrutiny, though they can't see what's in there, but the same scrutiny and potential for investigation as your checking account. Right. And, and I don't know how that, because I don't think Ahmed, the dead terrorist, is keeping his strap-on bomb in a you know 12-inch safe deposit box down at you know Wells Fargo. But apparently, that was supposed to protect us. And to me, that created this opportunity that somebody could put together. And to me, it doesn't, you know, how much security do you need when you've already got a safe with a two-key box? If you've got an armed guard uh, in a secure building and, you know, you could use a guard service for that. If somebody gets in there, they still have to get in the safe. Then they got to get in the box. And if they want your stuff, they got to know what box you have. And if they actually, you know, pick the first box to go into, they might spend hours to get into that one box while they're waiting for somebody to come shoot them. And when they finally get that one open, it could be empty because they don't know which ones have stuff in it and which ones don't. Right. So I, I think there's an opportunity there. If you're going to do it, that would be great. But if you dig anything up, I'd love to know about it. Yeah. Just remember, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, advocate of you know personal possession, personal responsibility. Sure. So my my knee jerk reaction to anybody that ever asks is always, hey, listen, you hold it, you take responsibility for it. Um, you know, but a lot of people in the last year, as we've seen with fundraising for the men, have come out and they're like, well, listen, you know, Warren Buffett tells me my gold and silver are useless because all they're going to do is sit there and collect dust. And now all of a sudden you presented me with an opportunity to put my gold and silver to work. I like you. I trust you. I want to see you succeed. And, you know, can I make a, a, a loan of, uh, you know, gold or silver here? And my answer is usually yes. Uh, you know, we're done fundraising for the mint now, but, uh, we could always use more silver here on inventory. So, what, what form do you want that in, though? Do you want that in basically, you know, because you, you're using that like as uh, as rotating inventory, so you can keep your your orders up as you're replacing with silver you're buying. So, does that need to be more in the you know flat bars or something like that? Well, there are a couple advantages to the inventory program, and if if you think it's okay to spend a minute or two on it, yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, I mean, because I guarantee, you, if I don't, somebody's gonna be like, I want to know about that, and. Yeah, there, let's, let's tell them. There are two advantages. Number one is um, if you send me like a 1,000-ounce bar, you're going to get it back in one-ounce rounds. And so if you want a real convenient way of getting your stuff reminted, 
for free, uh, you know, participate in one of my in the, uh, in, um, inventory loan programs. So it's a cool way of getting remits. And the other thing is that anybody that participates in that program is welcome to take advantage of our lowest wholesale price. So it's also a cool way of being able to buy at the lowest wholesale price that we offer. Um, there is a minimum order of 500 ounces. Um, so that's, yeah. you know, that keeps out. Uh, most people from saying, well, I want to buy an ounce or two at 75 cents over spot or 89 cents or whatever the yeah. price is. But, um, um, you know, the bottom line is that if they, if they participate in an inventory loan program, then, uh, then they're able to, to make additional purchases at, at a very low price. So, um, those, those are two benefits. But the answer to your question is any form is fine. If you've got some old stuff you want to see turn into, Shiny new stuff, we can do that. If you've got uh, thousand ounce or hundred ounce or, or ten ounce bars, uh, you know we can do that as well. And so um, the the minimum term on an inventory loan program is six months at one percent. Okay. It's not a lot, but it's more than nothing. And if you're already paying to store it, it's more to bank account. Yeah, it's it's something. I mean, if if you're already my 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 thing would be if you're already paying to have it stored somewhere, and if you're already comfortable with not having it in your safe, bolted to your floor in your garage. Then, uh, then it's an opportunity to uh, to help us out. You know, get us something that we need to, like you said, facilitate orders more quickly. It, it's a five day process to get raw material through the entire mill here, um, yeah. and so you know, when we're doing ten thousand ounces a day, we need to have about fifty thousand ounces on hand to be able to uh, fill all those orders same day. And that is our goal. Our goal is that if you pay by noon, we're shipping before the end of the day. Uh, it's going to take us a while to get there, and a lot of silver that we borrow. Um, but you know, eventually inside of six months, I, I feel confident that we'll be able to offer a same day turnaround on, uh, on all paid orders. So that'll help us get there more quickly with the inventory loan program. And again, it's something that you could do with IRA funds or there's, and I can either borrow, I can either buy the silver basically through you and let you hold my silver. And then at the end of the year, you give it back to me in rounds. Or I could, I could come to, if I walk down there right now with a suitcase with 500 ounces of bars in it, and said, here you go, you take delivery of that from me. Yeah, just remember that if you're doing it through your IRA, then you know, you'd know you make an investment through directly through sure. your IRA. And I, I got that. I'm I, thinking more along the lines of actually bringing you silver that you know, right, I own. Right, yeah, the, the, uh, the agreement would be you know, either with you personally or if you were through the IRA with your, your IRA LLC or directly with your IRA if your uh, trustee allows that. So you know, we can get creative on it, but the bottom line is it's another simple, easy way to, uh, you know, to, to get your your asset, your your uh, your finances under your own control, and if uh, you believe that I can, uh, you know, create value for you and, and create a return, then I'd be more than happy to do that. Well, you know, here's here's the reason I even started the conversation about this, even though it's not what I had you on for. And maybe this is a question for Chris next time I bring him on. But he said what he kind of said as an aside: the two places I don't recommend you store your silver is in a bank or in your house. So where the hell do I store my silver then? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a question we get a lot. I mean, people have too much in their house. There's only so much you can have in your own safe. Uh, you don't live in a good neighborhood. You're already on a watch list for somebody. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different reasons to not store it in your house. I don't know what all of them are that Chris has, but uh, you know, again, if if you want to put it somewhere, get a return on it. I'm uh, I'm happy to uh, to strike up a deal with you. I do have a recommendation for in-house keeping as far as the type of safe that would make a lot of sense. And it's a, a safe that unless somebody brings a crane and takes your house and its foundation away, they probably ain't getting into it. It's called a drop safe. And basically a safe company, you need a concrete slab to do this, but a safe company will come out and core a hole into the concrete 
and then they will put a, uh, a sleeve down into that hole, and that sleeve can be really long, but you generally do them about 36 inches because the average man can actually reach the bottom of that. And uh, then there's a, the face of the safe is about the size of a dinner plate. It's got four bolts that are about an inch around, and when you drop that into the sleeve, there's four slots for those four bolts to go about two inches into the concrete, and when you turn the, 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 the lock on that safe, those four bolts go out into that concrete, and you ain't getting in there without the combination or dynamite or maybe maybe a jackhammer, maybe. My father used one of these to keep cash in a cash-intensive business in a very bad area of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And his had a little slot so you could slot a stack of bills into it so you didn't have to open it every time you wanted to add to it. Right. That place was broken into 14 times in 12 <laughs> years. Twice people found the safe, got one of his sledgehammers. This was like a tire shop, so we had tools and beat the shit out of the safe, beat the shit out of the concrete, and eventually decided, this ain't worth it, let me grab whatever I can get elsewhere that I can pawn and, and haul bass. Um, and I would say that if you want to keep silver in your home, in a safe, that is probably the most secure type of safe without having to invest in something that's like a bank-quality, giant, huge you know, safe, or maybe a really good gun safe, like Liberty Safe makes a great safe. But if you want something just for metal and cash and small items... And you put one of those in, if a tornado takes out your house, once you clear the rubble, you can open it and it will your stuff there. will be in there and ain't nothing getting to it. Right. So I also wanted to ask one more couple, couple quick questions here at the end. Yep. Um, when I'm hitting my retirement age and I want to withdraw my silver from these self-directed IRAs, what happens now? Um, that I don't have all the exact specific answers on, but I can tell you this. The, the cashing out process is the same as it would be for any other IRA. Uh, I'm sure there's a form to fill out. In fact, there is a form that you're going to fill out every year to pass back to your trustee about the valuation of your LLC. Uh, and, and keep in mind, Jack, you might be a really bad manager of your LLC investments and just you might not even remember where those safes are that you buried. And they just have a tendency of just getting lost or stolen so often. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, you'll fill out a form once a year uh, for your trustee for the IRA to let them know what the valuation is. And uh, I don't I don't know yet if you go through the trustee to cash out at the end of the year to close that account, or if uh, if you would do that, you know, some other way. But uh, I'm sure that it's going to follow the same process and procedure as any other type of IRA would follow. Yeah, the amount, the frequency, and the point where they there's with especially with Roths, there's a point where they say, I don't care if you don't want it, you're taking it all now, and it's it's coming out of this vehicle. And it, 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 it from what I've read from your article and other things I've looked up since you explained this to me, it's the same as any other IRA. It's just you're doing your own paperwork to a degree. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but it, but again, con- consult an expert. You know, figure out uh, where you can go to get all the answers to these questions. Um, you know, we we uh, we've got a good friend that we've we've known for a number of years, somebody we trust implicitly. Uh, that uh, that's done a lot of great things for us, and uh, and so he's kind of been the guy that's taken this um, this responsibility to help people with the paperwork and get this process going. Um, his name is Kenny Parsons. He runs a little website out there called Silver Bear Cafe, um, and uh, I think there's going to be a link for him and the form that he would want you to fill out if you want him to help you on this uh, in the uh, in the section right under the, the post here. 
Yeah, because like we said before, you're not the guy that sets these things up. You're not selling this. You don't have a direct uh, gain by anybody doing this. This is just something you want people to know about. I just want them to know about it because the misconceptions out there are, you know, they're all propagated by the finance industry. They don't want you to know that your IRA is really your money and you're the one that's allowed to choose what kind of investments you want to make on, uh, on behalf of the LLC or the IRA. That's what I like about you. Everything you do doesn't necessarily have to be for personal gain. Like me, you're an anarcho-capitalist. You're all about making a buck, but you're also about taking care of your customers and your friends. Yeah, I think that uh, that when you do it like that, uh, generally the universe comes back and, and thanks and rewards you. And uh, you know that's exactly what we've seen happen here with fundraising for the men. I mean, it was it was slow at first, and uh, people started paying attention, and it just picked up and took off and. Uh, and so we're doing really well over here. Your store is doing great. We're excited to uh, to get more good things going there. Uh, so thank you to all the people that the uh, the opening ribbon cutting weekend there on T. Um, certainly we welcome you to come back uh, as we add copper and silver uh, bullion to the store as well. Uh, and again, if you think that um, you'd like to participate in the inventory lease program with Mulligan Min, I'd love to lease your silver off you and, and pay you one percent every six months to. Uh, to allow me to use it for uh, only only for uh, taking care of inventory requirements and filling orders. So that means that it's always here on hand, or we always have direct inbound material to replace it, where it's not used for anything other than that purpose. So just to spell that out, like if you're using my thousand ounces to mint today, you already have a thousand ounces that you're, you're you're tracking inbound, and you're just getting ahead of the curve. Yeah, we buy our raw material from Republic Metals Corporation out of Miami. Uh, they have local material on hand here, so we can pick it up same day. We buy from NTR, uh, which is Ohio Precious Metals, that ships material in from. Uh, from Ohio, um, so we've always got inbound material to replace it. But the more quickly we can get material through the system and keep things in inventory to pull off the shelf to ship in order, the uh, the better it goes. The more. And, and I mean, you guys have to really manage that. I think that's something people just overlook. Like the biggest reason you have lead times at all is because of material. You guys have the machinery now. You can you can turn it out, but you've got to keep a certain amount of inventory on hand at all times. That's as right. Well. That's right, and it gets expensive to carry that inventory, which is why there aren't a whole lot of mints out there. I mean, you're talking about a very capital intense uh, type of business, and so it's uh, it's expensive. And instead of going out there and you know trying to limp through it as so many other mints do that are undercapitalized, we said, well, why don't we just lease silver off of people, pay them a return, use that silver to to facilitate uh, fast orders and fast shipping, and you know create value there and and satisfy our customer demands at the same time. It just it just made sense to us. So see, and I wanted to tie that in with just a little plug for silver in general. I'd love it if you keep buying our ant shields. We sold some while we we're on the recording this today. So they're still coming in just because the ribbon cutting's over and you don't get the debt and death copper anymore. You can still buy the silver. The MSB discount still applies and please keep buying it. We didn't bring it out to sell it for four days and have it go away. Um, but on silver in general, whether it's my and shields, whether it's the cool coins Chris is doing, whether it's other AOCS, whether it's Eagles, whether it's pre 64 coins. One thing I want people to kind of get their head around is okay, a few months ago, if I wanted to go out and buy 30 round Magpaul P Mags, they were about 11 bucks a piece. And if I bought a bunch of them, I could get them for like 950 right? And a PMAG is made out of material that I can go get anywhere. There's no shortage of the materials to make a 30-round magazine. Yep. The very fact that people have become concerned that they may go away has put Magpul, just one manufacturer, 1.5 million pieces backordered. There is much less silver in the world than steel springs and uh, you know uh, plastic and, and things like that. 
So if we ever get to a point where silver becomes something that people go out and try to acquire from the mass market in large amounts at one time, and I think you'll back this up with your visibility in the market, the, the, the potential to over to overbuy and, and to create massive shortage is just, it's like that far away. Yeah. And, and if a Magpul magazine that was $11 is now actually selling on eBay, or not eBay because they won't do it, but like Gun Broker for 50 bucks or more, what do you think an ounce of silver turns into if this type of dynamic with economics plays in on the silver market? To me, it's... It's just certainly a greater upswing than a, than a magazine for an AR. Yeah, and we've got so many different pressures on the the precious metals market that you don't have on that kind of market. I mean, you've got production limitations, you've got raw material limitations, you've got industrial demands, and so from every angle, the silver market is just so precarious and held together by by such you know thin strings at this point. Uh, you know. And and that's a major risk for us too. You know, we we're always worried about whether or not we're going to be able to continue buying raw material. I think we talked a little bit about that the other day. So, um, you know, as it stands right now, production's good, supply is good. We've gotten uh, you know a thumbs up from all of our vendors out there, like Republics, uh, Republic Metals, and NTR that says, hey, listen, we got plenty of supply coming in for now. Uh, it's demand that's off the charts and production capacity that's so short. Um, so we're we're happy to be uh, you know one of the guys in that landscape that are taking care of that production demand uh, and doing something about it and earning a, uh, a living and a profit at the same time. So we'll see what happens. Here's an idea that I don't think anybody's figured out either, right? Um, pretty much all of that silver that's held in those ninety percent U.S. coins, that silver's locked into that form forever. Mm-hmm. It's you know, unless the the end of the republic comes or something, people aren't going to be melting that stuff down. So that's a whole chunk of the silver market that's in a form that it will always be in. Yeah. And I would say eagles are probably not a lot of people are going to be melting eagles either. So yeah. there's this limited pool of new production, and I think that spells opportunity because uh, I think we all can look at the economy and maybe disagree about exactly what the trajectory off the cliff is. But the fact that there's a cliff at the end of it is something that I don't think anybody's disagreeing with. And even the people that tell you everything's wonderful. Everything's swell. Don't worry about it. Trust the system. If you ask them, well, what's your plan for the dollar over the next 20 years? It's for it to be worth less. Yep. I mean, that's managed inflation. Absolutely. That's the planned devaluation of money. Well, it's it's working out pretty well for us over here. Uh, we had a record month in January. I, I don't know if it's time to release the exact number yet, but it was insane. I mean, it was, it was fully two-thirds of the way to our two-year projection number. Uh, and that's in like our third month of production. Um, I think we're going to do a quarter million ounces this month. Um, and I'm projecting that we're going to do somewhere around a million ounces of silver, just silver, in the month of March. In fact, I, I, I won't officially announce it yet, but I'll give you a little a little tease that we're probably going to do a, a little bit of a contest for what I call the million ounce March. Um, and so that'll that'll kick off sometime late this month that anybody that purchases next month will be able to participate in. So I'll, I'll put that out there as a little teaser. Uh, okay. Keep an eye out for some records from uh, the Mulligan Mint here. We're having a blast, and it's all thanks to guys like you. On the teaser note, we can just say we'll just leave it as a teaser, or you can tell people more if you want to. But you guys have some, <laughs> you guys have some really badass things planned with fractional silver. Yeah, they, you can either give more info on that, or you can say you just have to stay tuned. It's up to you, Rob. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about the fractional thing because that was pretty cool. You know, we the first equipment purchase that we made was I told you the other day we traded uh, 25 ounces of gold for 60,000 pounds of steel. 60,000 pounds of steel in the form of three Bliss 6K 225 coining presses that came right out of the Denver Mint. 
Uh, now, at the Denver Mint, they were set up to make pennies. And so when we got these things in hand, we looked at them, we physically said, well, all right, what is this tooling worth in here? And they well, we said, well, there's probably $100,000 worth of just tools inside of each one of these presses. So if you understand a press, you know, it opens and closes. It doesn't really care what you put in the middle. It's just going to crunch it and smush it. And so you've got to build a tool to go in there to make something for you. And so these presses came complete with the entire set of tools that were used to make They were making pennies with two tools in each press, and each tool had two dies, uh, two sets of dies in each tool. So these things were making four pennies per strike, 200 strikes per minute. We've got three of them here. And so I've got the ability with one press to make 800 pennies per minute if I have penny dies, or with three presses to make 2,400 a minute. And so we looked at it, this tooling, and we said, well, we could pull it all out and replace it and do one ounce silver in here. And then I said, well, what if we made something that would be really compatible with the tools that were already there? And the obvious answer was 10th ounce silver. Uh, and then we started looking into the fractional silver market, and we figured out that fractional silver is you know, really expensive, and the junk silver is like almost gone. Uh, the premiums on the junk silver are off the charts now, just like you know other things out there that are becoming harder and harder to find. Uh, and so... We said, all right, let's let's do some digging. We've got a standing order right now already for 100,000 ounces from one one client has bought has put in a request for 100,000 ounces, a million pieces of 10,000 silver per month just to get those things started when they come online. So we're probably eight weeks away from 10,000 silver, <clears throat> but we see it as being a huge opportunity for uh, for us to really establish our our uh, niche in the marketplace. And I don't know if you want to give away anything on pricing, minimum orders that we discussed, but basically when I heard what you're going to sell this for, it, if you look at every other person out there selling fractional silver, basically AOCS is about to punch them in the face. Well, the, the thing about fractional silver is all about efficiency and uh, you know scaling. And so when we're able to produce in those kind of volum- volumes, we're able to, to push the price down through efficiency and automation. And so we expect 10,000 silver to enter the marketplace at about the exact same price that you would expect to pay for one ounce silver. The only difference would be is that it will be sold in uh, 10-ounce bags, 50-ounce bags, and 100-ounce bags uh, as opposed to tubes or you know, airtights or stuff like that. This is going to be a barter product. This is going to be a barter, you know, a barter currency. Um, but, yeah, we're looking to get that price point down to be competitive with one-ounce silver, and I think it will completely change the game for fractionals. I think it'll really help you build out more people willing to barter with silver as well because it makes it easier for people to price things fairly and to give change. Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you're paying a premium of like double or triple what you would pay over spot for fractional, it doesn't really work. They, the concept works, but the money doesn't work. Yeah. But when you are able to do this and sell the same price, and basically what you're saying is if I want to buy this, uh, you know, every month, I'm going to be buying 10 ounces, but I'm going to pay for 10 ounces, which is 100 pieces of fractional silver, the same as I would pay for 10 one ounce rounds. And the other thing there for those that are prepping and thinking about the future, Think about in a true blow-up of the economy how much value there would be in a one-ounce silver medallion and how much beans and rice you would have to exchange to make that exchange compared to something like a tenth ounce. Yeah. So it, it helps now. It helps in a potential future that hopefully we never see, but frankly, I think we're going to see it on some level. And to me, it's a great way to store silver as yet another variety because the one problem I have with junk silver 
is unless I'm getting stuff that's like average uncirculated or whatever and paying or, or average circulated or better and paying a premium for that, when I buy junk silver, I'm not actually getting as much silver as I think I right, am. Right. When you look at Franklin's face and it's all smooth, that smooth went somewhere. It went on to hands and cash registers and all for the you know 20 years that thing circulated before somebody plucked it out. Yep. If I buy a 10th ounce fractional silver from AOCS or any other reputable mint, I'm actually getting the silver I'm paying for. Right, right, exactly. Probably a little bit more, too, because all those junk silver bags are sold by face value as opposed to by weight, uh, or at least yeah. the ones that, that I've seen sold from reputable dealers. That's just how it's done. And so when we start minting and selling bags, wholesale bags of uh, you know 10 ounces, uh, 50 ounces, 100 ounce bags of 10th ounce silver, you'll get what you pay for, uh, and you'll get a, exactly what you pay for. So <clears throat> we're, we're excited about that. So things going on. Um, we've only been able to do this because of guys like you that have helped us get our products out there uh, and because guys like you that have introduced us to the world um, to, to bring in investment capital. I mean, it's been, it's been huge. Uh, the fact that we've been able to do what we've done with little to no stress whatsoever. I mean, the stress we have around here is just keeping up with demand. It's not where are we going to find money to make payroll this Friday. It's, it's how are we going to get the next piece of equipment in here uh, next week to keep up with the, the demand, and it's just <clears throat> I'm excited for you to get out here to see it because I think that you'll I think you'll you'll be able to immediately notice what we've done here and appreciate the the blood and the sweat that have that have gone into bringing this place together. Um, but we still need more help. So again, if people want to participate in that uh, invest uh, that uh, inventory loan program and uh, and get paid a one percent return every six months on silver, I'd love to do it. In fact, what I'll do for you, Jack, is I'll send over a copy of my inventory loan agreement. And uh, and that way, if you want to plug it up there on the site, if people want to take a sure. look at that, have questions about it, review that agreement, um, and take advantage of it if they like, then uh, then it'll be right there. That'll that'll help answer those questions of how do I get involved. Awesome. So I'll have that and the link to your article today in today's show notes. And I appreciate you being here with me. I know that uh, you're a busy man. you got a lot of stuff going on over there. So taking uh, two days out of uh, a week and a half to be over here uh, with us for an hour plus, I really appreciate it, Rob. Thank you. It's always a great time. Thanks, Jack. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spirico today along with Rob Gray helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Seen our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares, they're living for